Welcome to the Gregory Digout Podcast. Welcome once again to 2022, and we are in our second week of moments together. And I've been reading out of this book that I want to study the Bible with you one-on-one, a book I wrote uh, several years ago called The Power to Change Anything. And the subtitle was 10 Commandments of Change. So I kind of changed it because I... I just think the way the commandment sounds isn't as good as what it actually is telling us. And so I call it 10 life hacks, since that's a figure of speech people use all the time now, 10 life hacks for real change. So if you want like a shortcut to change in your life, to seeing something change in your life, these are the 10 life hacks for real change. And I want to make this also available to you on today's moments. I want to send this to you or send a down, uh, you could download it right where you are, wherever you're watching, or if you want a physical copy of it, um, I'd love to give you this as a gift. I will give it to anybody who asks for it. The download will come to you wherever you are. And, um, and I want to invite you to give towards your future. I want you to give towards your 2022. So anybody that gives anything, if you give a dollar, if you give a hundred dollars, I want to send you this as my gift back. But um, would you take a moment and and let's give to God? I know that that we're used to a church service that where we have worship, we have announcements, we have an offering, we have the message, we have the benediction. Well, I'm condensing all of that into a couple of, um, of things that we're going to do. One is I want to pray for you and your, and your finances, and I want to invite you to give. I also want to give you this gift so you can go along with it. You can go along with me as we go through these, these 10 life hacks for real change in your life. And, and I want to share with you, um, I want to go through at least four or five of these, even if we review a sh- uh, short, shortly over the first two. I'll get right into the other three as well, the next three and then five after that. So uh, the power to change anything, you can download it anywhere in the world. And if you'd like a physical copy of it, let us know. And... 10 life hacks for real change. I want to invite you to give, and I'm going to pray for your finances. In Proverbs chapter 11, it says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger, but the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. It's a pretty uh, poignant truth in life that, that our life shouldn't be, our giving shouldn't be just so we can get. Our giving should be an overflow of our generosity, a generous heart. God is so generous that he gave us his only son. Let's be generous back by giving him our tithes, our offerings. Let's honor him in our giving. And, but let's, be, let's become generous people. Let's be generous in our smiles. Let's be generous in our forgiveness. Let's be generous in our kindness. Let's be generous in uh, our helping hand to others. Let's be generous with compliments towards others. Let's be Let's be generous towards people and what they're going through. Generous in empathy, generous in kindness. We're, we're going to give financially as well, but generosity is a mindset that I really want to encourage you to adopt. So let me pray for you. And then you give whatever the Lord puts on your heart and whatever your heart moves you to give. Father, thank you for 
each person right now connecting here. I pray for an enlargement of their heart. Lord, make their hearts softer. Make all of our hearts softer. God, give us generous hearts. Give us hearts to give, hearts to serve, hearts to be a blessing. And Lord, for those that are truly dealing with difficult financial trouble, I pray for a miracle to happen in their life today, a miracle of turnaround that begins today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you. You can see several ways you can give online. And of course, you can go old school and mail your gift as well if you'd like to. And again, we will, I'll be happy to send you this gift anywhere um, in the continental U.S. We'll mail it to you if you'd like it, but you can download it for free anywhere right now. You can see it on your screen. Um, so let's talk about where this, where these 10 life hacks come from. John chapter five, there was a feast of the Jews, verse one, and Jesus went to Jerusalem and went to the sheep gate, a pool. There was a pool by the sheep gate, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. And in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the troubling of the waters. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. And whoever stepped in first to the troubled water after the stirring of it was made well of whatever disease he had. Now, there was a certain man who had an infirmity 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there, knew that he had already been there in that condition for a long time, he said, do you want to be made whole? And the man answered and said, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is troubled. But as I'm coming, somebody steps in front of me. And Jesus said, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole. He took up his bed and he walked. Now, in this story and in this miracle, I've extracted what I believe to be life hacks, life secrets, life shortcuts to the change that you really want in your life to the change that you really need, whatever area that's in. So what are those hacks? Well, the first thing that sets the condition for a breakthrough, a miracle or change in your life is trouble. The angel would come and stir up and trouble the waters. And I talked to you about this last time that we, we, we need to not be afraid of trouble. Jesus said in this world, we're going to have trouble. We need to head towards the storm rather than away from it when it comes to change in our life, when it comes to seeing change in this world. There's change in this world, and we have to adapt to a changing world continually. And, of course, we should be living by God's promises, but God gives us new ways to to walk in his promises. It gives us new ways to reach people, it gives us new ways to communicate. This is a new way. Um, but we're not afraid of change because in the midst of trouble, it should inspire us when we're going through trouble. It should inspire us that that's a signal telling us that something needs to change the direction we're going in, the decisions we're making, the attitude we have, the the approach that we have towards the condition that we're facing. Trouble is not an enemy. Trouble is a part of life. And the miracle of change is born out of trouble. 
Many times the miracle of change comes as a result of trouble. When you see you're in financial trouble, now that trouble is stirred up, you realize I got to create a budget. I've got to find another additional source of income. I've got to cut some of my spending habits. Like the trouble of your financial trouble, so to speak, or the financial problem should be a signal to you to bring change into that area of your life or whatever that is, if it's physical sickness or uh, conflict in a relationship, that's trouble. And instead of vo avoiding the trouble and avoiding the relationship or avoiding facing your financial situation, let's jump in. Now, the first person that's jumped into the water, stepped into the water, was made whole. So that speaks to a couple things to me. 1A, since trouble is the first ingredient here to real change, the miracle of change is born out of trouble. When you step into troubled waters, you're living by faith. When you step in, when you know that you're facing trouble, but you step into it, you're walking by faith. You're not trying to run away from all your problems. Stepping into it, facing it is walking by faith. So it, the trouble actually activates your faith. And secondly, when you step into troubled waters, you're not you're not procrastinating. It says the first person that stepped into the waters would be healed. That speaks of the person who doesn't delay, the person who who doesn't procrastinate, the person who doesn't hesitate. Sometimes we miss the miracle in our life because we hesitate. There was an opportunity to say you were sorry and a miracle would have happened in that relationship. There was an opportunity to plant that seed uh, financially and you, you got afraid and you didn't do it and your miracle might have passed you by. I'm not trying to get anybody to do something that, they're not, that they don't feel led to do by God, but what I'm trying to illustrate for you are examples of how we sometimes miss our miracle because we hesitate. We miss meeting a person that, we, that could have impacted or changed our lives or could have added so much value to our life because they, they weren't a certain way or they weren't what we had expected. And we miss the miracle because we hesitate. Maybe you were just supposed to meet that person for a moment in your life, a season in your life. We don't have to make everything long, lifelong commitments. Sometimes just meeting somebody could be the thing that sets you free or the thing that catalyst that is the catalyst to change in your life because they help you to see life from a different point of view or a different angle than what you've been used to seeing it as. So procrastination is really what is preventing change in our lives. Why are we waiting another week, another month, another year? Why do we say every new year, I'm going to change this, I'm going to change that? It's because we procrastinated the last year and we're, our procrastination is spilling over into our new year. So the thing that really spoke to me, reinvigorated me about this story and this miracle is that it wasn't every person that stepped into the troubled waters was made whole. The first person was. In other words, we have to live on on edge in a sense, like on the edge of our seat, ready to hear from God, ready to give, ready to share our faith, ready to, to, you know, turn a corner, ready to help somebody else or pray for somebody or encourage somebody or share the gospel with somebody. We should be ready. We should be sitting on the edge of our seat. This guy was lame for 38 years. It's not an accident that God tells us how long this guy was in his condition. 38 years he 
couldn't even get to the edge of the pool. He would just always, somebody else would get in front of him. He couldn't get to the edge. He couldn't, he couldn't live on the edge. He couldn't live leaning in. Boy, if we would live leaning in, we would start seeing so many more miracles and change in our life, leaning in to listen to God's word, leaning into our church, leaning into, you know, uh, serving and being a person who's trying to be a blessing to this world, leaning into change in our lives, leaning into real life change. Well, the first life hack for real change is trouble and stop procrastinating. What is it that you know needs to be done? Do it now. Don't wait another minute. Do it now. Well, maybe wait a minute till we're done here, but do it. Do it now when we as soon as we close. Call that person, text that person, apologize, plant a seed, do whatever it is that you know that is the next step to, for you to do. When God spoke to Noah and said, there's going to be a flood, build an ark, a flood. Noah had never even seen rain before, but he immediately began to act towards doing what God said to do. And God did not speak another word to Noah that we have recorded in the Bible until 100 years later. He speaks to him, build an ark. And then 100 years later, when Noah is finally finished building this ark, God speaks to him again. Now get in it. <laughs> you and your family get in it. Invite everybody into this ark. And of course, only the eight people went and two of every animal. But he 100 years, people were watching and they could have got into that ark and been saved. But they didn't. And Noah didn't. He could have asked all these questions. God, what's an ark? What's rain? What's a flood? We sometimes reason our way out of our miracle. So number one, step into the trouble and don't procrastinate. Number two, desire. You have to have desire. You have to want it. God says he'll give you the desires of your heart. I'm going to speak more about this on Sunday, but I really want you to get a hold of this, that God says whatsoever things we pray for when we ask, desiring when we pray, believe we have received them and they'll be granted to us. So we have to desire and whatever we desire when we pray, Jesus said. So when we pray, there's got to be some passion. We should not be praying for things we don't have desire for. We should not be praying for things we don't have strong desire for. What is it you desire most right now? Pray for that thing and pray in faith, believing that God will give it to you. So there's got to be desire. This brings real change in our lives when there's desire to be better. There's a desire to, you know, you want to look at your finances and see an abundance. You want to look at your body and you want to see it getting better. You want to look at your family and see them smiling and see them happy. That's that's that should give you the desire for real change. The third life hack for real change in your life is to disrupt the excuse making mentalities of life, the excuse making mentalities the excuse making that we inherited from Adam and Eve. Jesus never made excuses. Adam and Eve made excuses they blamed. But it's interesting that when Jesus asks this question to this man, do you want to be made whole? He asks him a simple question. Do you want to be made whole? Do you desire this? And the man says his answer is, I have no one to put me in the water when the angel stirs it up every time 
I start walking or start moving towards there. Somebody comes in front of me. Notice what he immediately defaulted to when Jesus said, do you want to be made whole? He said, I have no man. I have no one. I have no person. I don't have what I need. I don't have something that I need. Jesus didn't ask him, do you have any friends? Jesus didn't ask him, are people are other people faster than you? Jesus didn't ask him, um, have you worked out all of the details of how you will one day live when you get better. Jesus said, do you want it? He didn't say, what's your reason for being in this condition for 38 years? You might have a lot of reasons. You might have legitimate reasons for being in the financial situation you're in. You may have legitimate reasons for being in the dysfunctional emotional state that you're in. You might have legitimate reasons for being in the physical condition you're in. You might have legitimate reasons for being in the relationship condition that you're in. But while you have legitimate reasons for that, you don't have a legitimate reason to stay that way. You might have legitimate reasons that got you in that condition, but you don't have legitimate reasons to stay in that condition. But all this guy does is he gives Jesus the reasons why he's not better rather than answering the direct question. Isn't it funny? You know, when somebody is not being honest with themselves, you know that they're not being transparent when you ask somebody a question and they start talking about something other than the question that was asked, that they change the subject, or maybe you've, you're guilty of that. I'm sure I've been guilty of that. When somebody asks me a question I don't want to answer and I change the subject, Jesus asks this man a simple question. Do you want to get better? Do you want to be made whole? And the man starts making excuses why he's been in that condition. And as I said, you may have legitimate reasons for being in that condition, but you don't have legitimate reasons for staying in that condition. You can do something about your situation, whatever it might be. I think the idea of excuses is, is one that we really need to face. Um, so many times we, we come up with reasons. Like I, I maybe you've heard this story uh, in the Bible when Jesus said that there was a man he, there was a man who was having a wedding feast in Luke chapter 14, and he started inviting people to his to his uh, wedding feast. And he goes to the first man and says, the master has invited you to the wedding feast. And the man says, I just bought a piece of land and I have to go look at it. Well, think about it. What a ridiculous excuse that is. Who buys a piece of land before they look at it? This man said, I just bought a piece of land, but now I have to go look at it. I can't come to the wedding. I can't come to, I can't accept your invitation because I just bought land and I have to go look at it. The second one, he says, I, the master has invited you to the wedding. And the man said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I have to go try them out. Think about that. I have to go try them out. Now, this man's living condition is or his living arrangement is based on farming. He's he his his supply, his his way of making a living is through farming and having oxen that know how to plow is the first ingredient to being a, success, a successful farmer. And he says he bought a yoke of oxen but he hasn't tried them yet. He's got to go try them out. Who would, if you knew that your life depended on those oxen, if you knew that your success depended on those oxen, you wouldn't 
buy them, pay for them with your hard earned money and then try them out to see if they work. First, you would try them out to see if they work so we can see through the veil of excuse making. And then the third guy, he says, the master has invited you to the wedding. And he said, I just got married. And for that reason, I cannot come. So now this guy is already allowing his marriage to prevent him from the celebration that God is inviting him to. So we we talk about our responsibilities. We talk about our relationships. We talk about all these things that become excuses for us not to take the next step in our journey of change. Boy, if we could just stop for a second and realize that we're guilty of making excuses sometimes. I'm sorry I got caught up in traffic. I'm sorry my alarm clock, you know, didn't go off. There's so many times that we come up with reasons to legitimize us staying in the condition for 38 years. This man was in his condition for 38 years because he kept coming up with his legitimacy to staying in his condition, his excuses for staying in his condition. You, you now, if you've made excuses for why you haven't changed, why you haven't put God first, why you haven't got your finances in order, why you haven't gotten, you know, your relationship repaired, it's okay. It's just not okay to stay that way. It's okay that you made the mistakes and got in the situation you're in, but you don't have to stay there. And that's what I love about Jesus' direct question. Do you want to be made well? Forget about the 38 years that you have made excuses. Forget about the 38 years you've blamed other people. What about right now? If we would just ask ourselves, do I really want this better job situation? Do I really want to have my relationships healthier? Do I really want to do better financially? Do I really want to change my body or change my, my relationship situation? I'm not running into the right people. I'm always in relationship with the wrong people. Do you really want to change that? Are you willing to stop making excuses and stop saying what somebody else isn't doing for you. Cause this man said, I don't have anybody to do this for me. And Jesus dispenses with that. He dismisses his excuse making and he says to him, rise and walk, which is what I want to say is our next hack or our next secret to bringing change in your life. So first there's trouble. Second, there's desire. Third, there's excuses. We got to deal with the excuse making mentalities. We got to like disrupt that excuse making gene that we inherited from Adam and Eve and tap into the faith filled. Let's go forward at any cost. Let's have that attitude that we inherited from Jesus since we got born again, since you got born again. And the next thing that I want to encourage you with to bring change in your life is number four, action, take action. So when this man started making excuses, Jesus interrupted his excuses with a directive of an action he could take. When we take action, we're 
quenching our excuse. We're like we're we're just, just dismantling our excuses when we take action. We're dismantling anxiety when we take action. Taking action in the next thing that you need to do, the next step you need to take, taking action will deliver you from anxiety. Sometimes anxiety brings you into a state of paralysis where you don't want to move. You don't want to make a move at all. But I want to encourage you when you feel anxious, two things that I address anxiety, two things that I've applied in my life personally when I've had anxiety is number one, I pray, I take it to God. And number two, I find some physical action that I need to take. Maybe it's to, it's to, to work out. Maybe it's to, to work on something and, and fix something that's broken. Maybe it's to, you know, encourage or hug somebody or call somebody, but take action because anxiety, you can overcome anxiety through praying about it. Anxiety is a signal to pray and you can overcome anxiety by taking action. One step of action. So Jesus says to this man when he starts making excuses, which will pierce through your excuses, is taking action. Jesus says, he interrupts him and says, take up your bed and walk. Now, notice Jesus does not say to this man, start running in a marathon. Jesus does not say to this man, get some Nikes and go and go jogging, go to the gym. He didn't say any of that. He said, rise up and walk. Sometimes we are waiting for the full display and the full revelation of all that God wants us to do when the only thing we really need to do is take one step, one action. Again, this is something that I want to share more with you about on Sunday, but action is a powerful force when you take action, take immediate action. Jesus said, get up first things first, not run, not do jumping jacks. Just get up, just rise up. Sometimes when you do something in the natural, then God will add his super to your natural. So you plant a seed and God adds multiplication to that seed. You take action and you um, you do something in the natural and then God does something in the super and that creates supernatural. T right? Jesus didn't say I'm healing you. Jesus didn't say I'm going to heal you. Jesus said, rise up. He said, get up. When Jesus cleansed 10 lepers, he didn't say to them, I heal you. He didn't say to them, I'm going to fix this. He did heal them and he did fix it, but he didn't tell them what he was going to do. He told them what to do. He said, go show yourselves to the priests. Action, action. Go show yourselves to the priests. Action. Remember those other four lepers that in the Old Testament, and I think in Second Kings, it says that they said to themselves, why are we just going to sit here and die? Let's get up and let's go up to the enemy's camp. At least we go up to the enemy's camp and we'll die there with dignity. We're going to die here if we stay here. 
Maybe we go up to the enemy's camp and they're going to give us some food. Maybe we can make peace with them. Maybe we can make friends out of them. Like they took action. And I want to encourage you that you don't have to have it all figured out. Just take action and see that taking physical action in one way, doing one thing. He said, get up. He didn't say run. He said, get up. And then he said, walk, rise up and walk. Take your bed and walk. Grab your stuff and walk. I want to encourage you. You got to walk before you run. You got to get up before you even walk. Take action. Take action. There's power in taking action. Maybe you need a financial miracle in your life. Take action. Maybe you need to study how to make more money. You need to study how to start your own business. You need to become generous and give. There's so many different things you can do. Help somebody else become successful. There's so much action you can take. There's so many things is what I'm trying to say. I'm not saying do a million things. I'm saying just start with one. Well, let's stop there and summarize. We've got four things that will bring change in our lives and that will give us a shortcut to real change in our life. Number one, we need to face the trouble. Don't be freaked out by trouble. Stop procrastinating and face the trouble and move ahead. Number two, desire what decide what you desire. And you got to want something enough to do something about it, to want something enough to even pray about it. You got to want something enough to ask about it. You got to want something enough to study it. Number three, we stop making excuses. We have to we have to disrupt the excuse making nature that we inherited from Adam and Eve. Human nature is to make excuses, but we have a divine nature. We've been made in the image of God. We don't have to make excuses anymore and take action. Action is a cure for anxiety and anxiety loses its hold over you when you take action and Action is a true life hack for anxiety and for inactivity and not seeing things happen in your life that you'd like to see happen in your life. What is the next action that you're supposed to take? What are you supposed to do with what you just heard? You can answer those questions. You'll you'll know that better than I will ever know that about you and for you. So you know more about you and what your next step is. I know I need to know what my next step is. You need to know what your next step is. But take action and get rid of the excuse demons fr- from your head and let go of the excuse making and victimization of your life and feeling confined to your current condition. You got to be willing to break out of something that you've been gotten used to. This guy was used to being in that condition for 38 years so that he had to have a disruption of what he was used to. And I pray that that becomes clear to you. And if you've never accepted Jesus into your life, would you pray with me? Because nothing, none of this even means anything if you're not going to go to heaven, if we're not going to see each other in heaven. The most important thing is where we go when we die. We're going to be with God forever in heaven or we're going to be without him, separated from him, which is hell in and of itself. Separation from God is enough hell to not want to have that. But nobody wants to go there. Nobody wants that. But it's simple. God's gift is eternal life. Receive this beautiful gift by saying this. Pray this prayer out loud after me right where you are. Just pray. Heavenly Father, I invite Jesus into my life to save me 
to make me your child. I believe Jesus died for my sins. Just say that out loud. I believe Jesus died for my sins and rose from the dead. From this moment forward, I'm a child of God. If you prayed that prayer, then congratulations. You are welcome to the family of God. Thank you for praying that. Thank you for letting me pray that with you. And I've got a gift for you, a little book you can download anywhere in the world called The Power of a New Life. These are the next steps in your journey. And for anybody that gives today in our offering, I want to send you this as my gift to you as well. And, and you may not even want it. You may want to give and not want this book. That's okay, of course. Give because it honors God and you want to be generous. But um, if you prayed that prayer to receive Jesus, let me know. And I'd love to hear from you. And I'd love to help you in your next steps in this journey. And now we all have some next step. Just take that one action that you need to take. Maybe that next action is to invite somebody to church this Sunday. And I can't wait to see you there. Thank God for the opportunity that we have to gather in person and online. I'll see you in one of those places in Jesus' name. God bless. <laughs>